I like cute clothes. I like having stylish outfits and I hate shopping. Armoire makes getting dressed easier. Armoire is a clothing rental membership option. And Janet and I recently have both tried it out. And you guys, it is so much fun. You go to their website, you get to take a little quick style quiz, takes five minutes, and then you get presented a list of beautiful clothing, pictures, wonderful clothes that you can pick out and get delivered to your house for you to try and wear in the comfort of your own home without going out and determine what looks cute, put together outfits without investing a ton of money. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off your first month. That is up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash envoys. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E, dot style slash envoys to get 50% off your first month and never have to worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Our guest today is a favorite around the globe. Maggie Dent is Australia's boy champion, and indeed she has been helping generations of parents raise happy, healthy boys and girls. Welcome to the On Boys Parenting Podcast, We are your co-hosts, Janet Allison of boysalive.com and Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net. Thanks for being our listeners. Stay tuned for this fabulous conversation with Maggie. We've had many champions of boys on this podcast. Perhaps none so championing, though, as our guest today. She is a longtime friend of On Boys. In fact, our past conversations with her have proved to be some of our most popular episodes. The mom of four grown sons, she has influenced generations of parents who are raising children in her home of Australia and across the globe. Her book, From Boys to Men, Guiding Our Teens to Grow into Happy, Healthy Men, is rich in brain science, child development, and practical advice alongside the real stories that bring those topics to life. She's recently published Girlhood, Raising Our Little Girls to Be Healthy, Happy, and Heard. We are so excited to have you, Maggie. You two are the other enormous, passionate women boy champions, and I think the world needed to have our voices out there um, to make sure that we can, you know, keep getting that message across that the the old paradigms were full of rubbish and that our boys, you know, aren't these tough, unfeeling humans and that there's an incredibly tender heart in amongst them. And uh, with appropriate guidance, you know, um, they can they can grow to shine as kind of mine have, but gee whiz, they were rat bags at times when they were little. <laughs> I can give you yeah. that tip. Yeah, yeah. It's great to, you know, they're all grown up now and they're giving you your grandchildren and life is good. So, so some of those, but those stories carry over and great fodder, right? And also they don't stop um, bringing up the moments you were less than your best, Mm -hmm. you know, just dropping it in for a giggle here and there. And uh, 
you know how they got, they actually don't have terribly good memories, except for all the times I mucked up, you know, yeah. and I love that. Brilliant. I think it's quite funny. I think Jen can relate to that. You're telling me all the good things that I have managed to do over the years. They're not going to remember any of that. They'll just remember the outstanding moments when I completely lost it. Oh, no, they remember the good bits, but they only want to take the mickey out of you, the bad bits, because <laughs> laughter is like we've got to keep in mind that it's like one of the safest things for boys to be because, that you know, like it's a lightness to it. And we we can misunderstand their humour in that development, especially in the teen years. But what we know is that happy boys will be laughing. There will be laughter. There will be banter. There will be lighthearted teasing, you know, and that's kind of like I always used to worry when I met those boys that were contemplating ending their lives because there was no light inside them and no laughter. And that's that's a sign for concern. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been talking to you for not quite five minutes yet, and you have already made me feel better yes. because that kind of bantering and picking on and needling is exactly what my guys do to each other and to me all the time. And because I'm surrounded by four of them, I've learned, right? I've learned that this is how they show affection to each other, even though it might not sound or feel like it to me. And, but I realized as you were saying that, of course, they wouldn't be bringing up all these moments if they really thought that like, I was a terrible person, right? Because Mm -hmm. it wouldn't feel like a safe environment to bring it up. So the fact that they do and we laugh about it is a good thing. It's bonding. It's absolutely bonding. You have to laugh because sometimes when we get together and we're just recently, the first time I've been able to have four sons together with their little seven cousins because we were all blocked out with COVID and everything. And um, within the first like hour, the number three, who was a whoopsie, um, who I called a miracle, his brother said was a mistake. Um, <laughs> he might have let everyone know that he still got the highest grades when he left high school. I completely <laughs> and totally believe that based on my experiences here. Maggie, you haven't heard yet about my two that both broke their collarbones and have been um, competing over who has more screws in their oh, no. clavicle. I, I, so. I've been following it and that is exactly that I completely understood it because it's still a competition. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, in this humor, that's competition. That's, you know, bringing up these moments. It's bringing to mind a client who just recently emailed me something that happened in first grade. So we're in the first three months of first grade and he's in a Catholic school. So they go to mass and they sing hallelujah to the da da da. Only he was singing hallelujah to the poo. Yeah. Uh, and the te- so then the teacher's emailing home to mom and dad, you know, he's he's been a little disrespectful today. And the mom and dad are just laughing like it's the funniest thing. It calls us up to just like lighten up yes. and bodily functions. Absolutely. Also, uh, I- poo means something. What does yeah. hallelujah mean? You try and explain hallelujah. Hallelujah. That makes more <laughs> sense. Come on. <laughs> It was six year old, right? right. It's yes. sexy, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, and I think, you know, one of the things is, you know, we're going to dive into looking at the sorts of things that um, are impacting our, particularly our high school boys, in how well they do at school. And I spent 15 years as a high school teacher and a counselor after that. And, you know, it didn't take me long in my classrooms to realize there's a very different approach to learning and that there are some things that we can do as um, educators, but also as parents. And that's kind of why 
you know, I wanted to reach out here because we've got all these statistics around the world. And I loved your chat with Richard Reeves. That was just fantastic. I loved his advice. I've been banging on about that. Give them more time before we start. Yes. Um, and I thought, yeah, let's let's shine a light on that space again because when parents can see it through the lens, you know, of understanding what is really going on because no boy wants to wake up out of bed, forgotten to do his maths homework, is really grumpy and not feeling like mm, and and turning up in that environment to be met with more. Um, mm-hmm. What I haven't you done it? Growl at you, frowning at you, shouting at you, um, making you feel even worse. You know, look, of course, that's not going to bring out the best in our boys. So, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. are we going to dive in? Let's, Let's dive in. <laughs> Let's dive in. You know, and along with the diving in, because you have definitely do- dove back into travel and speaking. Every time I look at social media, you're somewhere else doing another talk. And for the boys and also for your new book about girls. Mm. And I'm just curious, like in this whole mix, what are you seeing that is more concerning or less concerning? Like what's, what's shifted? To be honest, um, you know, we know that a significant number, I'll just focus on the older years. We know that there's that couple of years that missed all of those wonderful experiences that actually kind of make those final years mm-hmm. worthwhile. And I do, you know, they're a little more disillusioned and they're a little mm-hmm. bit like, um, I find that they're really, it's like the grown ups have created a world that we created the digital world that is harming our kids on so many levels, whether it's the pornography or it's the excessive gaming or it's being able to see live beheadings that disturb us and desensitize our boys. Um, and also they're disillusioned that we're not being looking after a planet that that they're going to inherit. And I, I find even our boys are quite concerned about that. So, yes, we have. We've got higher numbers of kids who really do need some support meant for mental health. Mm-hmm. We have no access. We are fully booked. And we had a cluster in my community in 2020 um, where we lost three or four young lads. One was only 14. And um, when we dived underneath it again, it was just, Again, we've got to be careful that we don't treat our boys harshly from the time they're very little, just because they're a bit more forgetful, highly impulsive. They do have testosterone, which is a very different hormone to estrogen, <laughs> um, which is a bonding one, and that we, we, we really need to build that understanding so we can support them to see the world, you know, and be able to navigate it. Mm-hmm. and learn how to make better choices rather than the endless punishing. So I do seem to think shame, our boys are still being shamed really highly. And I know, Jennifer, you you know really agree with that one. And where we see that is they turn up in our high school classes from 12 onwards, when, you know, that's a middle school over here, mm-hmm. um, into an environment and they've already decided it's, yeah, it's, I can't do well at this, right? Because mm-hmm. they've got, mm-hmm. let's go through a couple of the things first. And that's, you move from one teacher all day and you move into an environment where you have up to five and you've got to move a lot. Mm-hmm. And transitions is not something boys traditionally do well. They actually like to finish something and then move on to something else, right? So we interrupt them a lot mm-hmm. and they can work out like there are school rules, but each teacher has a different version yes. of the school rules, right? So yes. they kind of like go with the slightly more relaxed teacher into the more rigid and they get busted. Yeah. For the same thing sometimes. Something that was okay in this room is not over here. Mm -hmm. Totally. And then we know there's that huge shift in that biological drive where they do want some more choice. 
you know, it's exactly what adolescence is about. And they get very little. They get demanded and commanded on like you wouldn't believe. And I found intuitively in my classrooms that when I create an environment, and I was co-ed, so I had girls and boys, where um, I would, you know, there's an assessment due on, you know, on Friday. And on the Tuesday, you know, I'd have to double check with all the boys again, have they remembered? And I, But I did it from a place of warmth, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't mm-hmm. do it from a place of, of nastiness. And there were times there were a certain group of boys I knew that were procrastinators. So why do they procrastinate? Why do they muck around? It's because they're kind of like really worried about when I deliver it, am I going to pass or fail? Because that's wired into boys. You're meant to be successful. You're meant to be the best. You're meant to be the winner. Well, that's not always going to happen in our classrooms, you know, Mm -hmm. and that failure is wired into them to be. So I had this beautiful boy in one of my year 11 classes. So that's 16 coming to my English class and like 10 minutes into the class, all of a sudden he's got up, kicked his chair back, flipped his desk over, walked over to a brick wall punched it really hard and then walked out the room and all the kids in the class were looking at me going what's just happened and I've anyway I've I've gone out got him a drink of water sat beside him and I you know is is something going on that's you know and he just said to me I failed my maths test so it took like 20 minutes for that to escalate into that and now we all know that with a female brain, when it's really upset, the next centre is the word centre. <laughs> right. <laughs> but for boys and men, it's, it's, it goes to the body. So the intensity of the emotions goes into there. And before you know it, sometimes it explodes out with physicality. And, you know, he's not a bad kid. He's, he's a great kid. And I, you know, that intensity of emotions escalates the limbic brain's growth in those adolescent years this is why all of them can have big meltdowns it's like the toddler on steroids isn't it and when we (laughs) misunderstand that and a boy will then get punished for something he has no idea why he did it in the first place and has that helped him address what it was that was underneath that moment no So I think it was, you know, those times I hung around after class and chatted to the boys that I realised how vulnerable they are Mm -hmm. because of the man code still sitting on top of them and that when we are able to educate, you know, our teachers to recognise, don't demand a response in that heated moment, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Don't don't say, why did you do it? There's no way he's going to be able to respond in that moment. However... You know, let's give him some time and I might catch up with him the next day, right? Yes. Give him some time to process it. You and we all know that makes a difference. But what I still find in high schools, they're sent off into the office, you know, they're given a lecture, you know, they're given detention. And the poor boy was struggling to cope in an environment where he doesn't feel he's ever going to succeed. Exactly. And so, I mean, we've got this disillusionment, this disengagement that ha- that happens through beginning in middle school, sometimes even as early as elementary school, they are, from our view, from the outside looking in, here's a boy that's unmotivated. How do we motivate our boys? And I mean, you and I know that motivation does not come from the outside. We cannot make our boys pass that math test. What do we do? What does that parent do that's just worried about their son because he's playing video games and doesn't seem interested in anything, especially school? 
Well, I think one of the first things is that we need to have a, a conversation or read something, whether, and it's so funny because every now and then I meet a parent who says, I gave that part of the book about the brain changes and how it impacts them to my um, 14-year-old son to read. And he just came out and said, would have been a good idea if you'd told me that before it all happened. <laughs> um, right? Um, so if they're actually able to understand that those, those brain prunings can make them even more forgetful and disorganised and, and difficult and they think they're the only one. So I think they we do. have to prepare them mm-hmm. for that window that things are going to get a bit wobbly for a few years and it's not your fault. No, Mother yes. Nature decided to do this to you. The second thing too is the increase in testosterone means their impulsivity actually increases. There's no GABA, which is the amino acid, the gamma amino butyric acid, which is an impulse inhibitor. That turns off. So we need them to know these things and making it more difficult to find motivation. And then the last one that makes it hard to, and they can understand this, there's not enough myelin in their brain. So that fatty white substance, which, you know, is absolutely fantastic. And we know that that's what the prefrontal lobe needs. Um, And we know it's slowly growing, but we also have pretty clear evidence from neuroscience that the more time they spend gaming or engaging in things online, the later that prefrontal is, is, is maturing because of all sorts of things to do with alpha rays. So it used to be girls around 22 to 24, boys used to be around 25 to 27, but now we're suggesting it's more 28 to 30. Mm-hmm. Okay, so without myelin, how do you plan for your future? You know, motivate yourself to do that study and that assignment, turn off your gaming, have empathy for your mother and yourself, you know, like it's it's big. So when we mm-hmm. understand mm-hmm. that, then my challenge is we come beside them and go, okay, um, we're going to support you in this space. So with the disengagement, the boy says, yeah, it's boring. So the boring goes to relevance. And we have mm. to look at that too, because the boy's gone, what's in it for me? What you're really saying is when your boy says boring, kind of translate that in your head. He's telling me this is irrelevant yes. to him and his exactly. life. Exactly. And so I've had boys in the upper school classes say to me, I don't need to learn how to write an essay, miss, because I'm just going to play football for Australia. Or I'm going to go fishing with my dad on the on the boat that we've got. I don't need to do this. And, you know, technically, he's got a point, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, I, and in any class, and, of course, being an English teacher for most boys, oh, they think English sucks. Why am I looking at ballads, miss? I'm never going to write, write one, read one, or right? So there were times that it was more about me telling them that in the process of doing some of our subjects, we learn to think better. Mm-hmm. We learn to problem solve. We learn to argue better. So there is a underlying part to it. But I got you both know that unless a boy feels safe in a classroom because of whoever the big growing up teacher is, he's already in threat mode. Mm-hmm. So um, we know that really impacts it. So if he's in that high school classroom he, and he has like he's really getting busted in all of them, his grades will drop. He cannot find it within himself to push himself if a teacher's face doesn't light up a bit and get excited with it. So there's the first one. It's not all his fault. The -hmm. second one is, is there one lighthouse figure in that school environment? And it might be a different teacher. It might be a student services teacher. It might be the psychologist. It might be the lady in the front office or the canteen lady. It's got to be one person he actually feels has got his back. And so sometimes that's one of the very first things I suggest. We've got to kind of build that connection because when he gets busted, he kind of needs someone 
who's going to help you see it with that caring factor. And I know it sounds crazy, but kindness is so powerful around our boys because I just don't get enough of it. Okay, so if a boy has, you know, his grades will drop because of all of those factors, and then also they they're biologically wired now to want to connect more with their their mates and their friends, right? Mm -hmm. So if the boy mate code is doing well at school isn't cool, there's no way while he's in that space he can outdo the code because breaking out of that and he won't get the same cred and he's not going to belong, it's too powerful. It's really, really deep, Mm -hmm. really frustrating. But if he's in a class or in a group, where academically they're competing, they'll do really well. It is so frustrating. (laughs) Okay, so you've got the message from school. His grades are dropping, right? We've got to get this sorted. Now, so often the the teacher or a year leader will say, got to lift your grades. The Mm -hmm. parent will go, you got to lift your grades. Boy goes, yep, right, no idea. Absolutely no idea. Like You know what? As a parent, if the school comes to me and says, hey, we got to do something about this, I'm like, no idea. Like I'm I'm struggling with the same person at home. So if you think I've got the genius answers, you're looking to the wrong person. All right. So one of the reasons that 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 just goes flat as a tack is the boy's already knowing he's failing. Like he's, he, so now I'm disappointing my parents. I'm disappointing my, I'm now disappointing myself. So I must be a loser. And in that window with all those brain changes where they forget to put the full milk back in the fridge and they put the empty carton in the fridge and they leave their backpack or their bag on the bus. I hear from parents all the time how bath time can be such an ordeal. And yet bath time can be really fun. In fact, here in the very cold winter, we use bath time as an activity. Dabble and Dollop has got this dialed in because they have bath products that are not only natural, healthy, free of toxins, all the things we want for our kids, but they're fun. Jen, you said when your boys were young, they loved to make potions. My son, Tyler, had so much fun mixing things together, making potions, recipes. He would have loved Dabble and Dollop's Day at the Beach bath mixing set because it's a collection of soap scents and a little mixing thing and your kids can combine scents and make their own creations. It is exactly the kind of thing that can turn bath time into a fun, enjoyable creative endeavor instead of just a fight. And I will say the bubbles have been bow tested in the bathtub and they last. They stay bubbles for a long time. Dabble and Dollop has everything from bath time shampoos, bubble baths, body washes, conditioners, lotions, bath bombs, bath toys and accessories. There's so many things to explore at Dabble and Dollop. Go to dabbleanddollop.com slash onboys to get 20% off your first order. That's dabbleanddollop.com slash onboys, 20% off for being an onboys listener. They're actually feeling a bit like a loser because of all that vulnerability, Mm -hmm. right? So Mm -hmm. my challenge is, and I've got, you know, I talk about the deal and the deal you can probably find it on my website as well as we sit with our son, right? And we're going to say, okay. So we're going to work out a plan with this because we're going to do this with you, okay? Mm-hmm. And we've already, we're going to sit down and the target is we're just going to lift one grade because all of them is too much. 
So we're going to lift one grade and and try probably to work on the one that he did have more interest in when he was in primary, whether it was maths or it's the arts or it's. So we're going to work on that one. We're just going to lift that grade and and lift it from whatever it is over there, fail D, up to a C or a B, not an A. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Too high, he'll bail out just a bit. Okay. I've got that and it's written down so we don't forget it. So we've written it down. <laughs> and on the plan, you know, we're going to go through a few steps. And that's the first one is um, um, we're going to double check on some certain things like when are assessments due. We're going to connect with that one teacher to start with. And we're going to let that teacher know that together we're going to work out. And we're going to ask him, you know, make it easy for him to ask for help. Because if it's math, he may have missed some chunks that are prerequisites for what you're learning. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have the same problem in English or science or English and, and history, but in science, you could have missed yeah. some of that too. And if he's missed some of that and the teacher's unable to because of their class load and curriculum load, then we'll find a tutor and we'll find a tutor that we know he's more likely to connect with. So it's probably a you know a college student, not you know, or somebody knows who's older than him. And we're going to pay them money and we're going to feed them when they turn up. <laughs> and we're going to really celebrate this boy coming into their life. That's you get what I mean? We're kind yes. of feeding his space. And then we're going to ask about the feedback because we don't leave it for a term or a semester. We want to check in and say four weeks and 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 the teacher and us all together, we sit down with the plan. We is there anything else in that? So we strategizing as we go forward and then what you tend to find is that when he starts to lift that grade his whole attitude around his schooling tends to lift too because you can't run the the mindset that I'm useless and dumb if I've suddenly got a couple of grades and I'm starting to see some hope and some light Mm -hmm. and of course teachers also start talking you know and and before you know it they're acknowledging that he's put his head down and they're he's starting to get some positive feedback for once and then my challenge at the end of it is that we guide him through that with as you know with as little nagging as possible because it's still about him and that's that autonomy we know the three things that motivation and self-determination are about is connection now that's Mm -hmm. the teacher and the parent working together uh the second one definitely is control you know you're mm-hmm. you know you're working with with he's got choices which step which way who would you like and then that last one is competence and it gradually mm-hmm. he starts to build his competence and nothing works better at building confidence and motivation than actually small doses of success and I always like to have a big reward at the end and it's not one that you not a financial one it's one where you get his mates and his friends to have a movie night or a you know a night at whatever going surfing or camping or fire pit night with pizzas we have a celebration in front of his boy and his mates so his mates are going to have a good night but also his mates are going to see he did this and also maybe I could too right tribe influence Mm-hmm. You're bringing them in as allies and inspiring them as well. You're sneaky, smart, Maggie. Oh, I've had some practice in my <laughs> life. Um, because what I find is sometimes, and, and this is may happen over there, I'm not sure where your kind of high school stuff, but over here, when you go from year 10, the upper school is 11 and 12. <clears throat> and that's where it gets really hard. So one of my, my oldest, firstborn, uh, comes home week three in that year and says, nah, it's too hard. I, um, I'll go and do a trade and I'll do vocation. And I sit, sort of like, everything in me is screaming because he's been, mm-hmm. you know, he's not the top, but he was quite capable. 
of course, everything I wanted to do, I knew I had to bite my tongue and I sort of said, okay, um, so what trade? Babe, I've never seen you change a washer, so not plumbing. Never changed a light bulb, probably not electrician. Never looked under the bond of the car, so won't be a mechanic. But anyway, <laughs> give it some thought. Always go to the give it some thought. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got Easter in a couple of weeks. Let's have that conversation and I'll help you. We'll we'll listen and plan, right? Because as soon as you come down hard on them, that, that's just not it. You've now created the monster and you put the rift in there. Anyway, uh, when it got to that time frame and I sat down with him, he said, no, and wait for the words. I've got a handle on it now. Right? Got a handle on I've it. Got a handle on it now. So that meant I think I'm going to be able to be okay because I've done a few, obviously, and I've I've passed. So I think I've got a handle. But he was ready to bail. Mm-hmm. Now that boy scraped into university because he was having so much fun, and then at his third year of university, he was doing sports marketing or something because he's a sport freak, and he suddenly said, "Mum, I've noticed I've got really good marks in law. Maybe I'll go on and do law." And, of course, me paying all the bills said, damn, and the mum wanted to be proud said, lovely. <laughs> anyway, he did go on, and he is now like um, special counsel, which is one under a partner in a law firm of 350 lawyers in Sydney. Nice. And he nearly, he nearly shifted to the easy course, right? So yeah. we really got to honour that, that times things look a little bit harder. Can we go a little bit further? Can we have another go and then, you know, work with, as many good folk in the school environment who can help you with that because they've seen it for years. Boys have been doing this forever. One of the things I loved about that story is, you know, I know our listeners know too that your first internal reaction where you're like kind of screaming because you're like, okay, you just started. You can't know you hate this yet. And also you've never showed any interest in these other things. There's all these things that you want to scream, but you didn't. And you said, let's give it some thought. And just in giving it that little bit of time, you mm-hmm. really didn't need to do anything. No. Mm-hmm. Just needed a little bit of time to go on. And certainly if it had gone as far as you get yeah. to Easter and you talk about it, then you do the next steps there. But sometimes all that's needed is a little bit of space. I talk about empowering the inner compass because I absolutely know it is within there, even though their ego is telling them they're dumb and stupid and there's something wrong with them and they're not good enough and, you know, and the mum does not know. What I found is when they would come to me and have some ridiculous thought about a party that was, you know, going to be somewhere that I never wanted them to go to, mm-hmm. um, because over when they're 16 and 17, I needed to let them you know, have that freedom because they were going to leave um, to go to university, which is four and a half, five hour drive mm-hmm. away. So I wasn't going to be there. Um, and I would go everything inside me exactly the same. <laughs> Jennifer, it's just what you said. I want to say, no way, you are so not going to that party, you know, like it's in a field and there's, mm-hmm. there's no. <laughs> and I'd go, you know what? I'm, yeah, I just want you to, yeah, you sleep on it. You sleep on it. And, um, you know, there's something inside them sometimes when we honor that. Yes. Um, let me have you given that some thought or what is your plan around that and I know you do this beautifully uh, Janet and all your coaching work we we hand it back to them with respect and a lot of hope yeah a lot of hope <laughs> a lot of <laughs> but, hope but it gives it puts the ball in their court and it gives them the knowledge that oh you know mom's not dad's not just clamping down hard on this and saying yeah. no they're letting me kind of stretch my wings a little bit 
So one of my lads, the rules at party time was, because um, it was really before cell phones and mobile phones, it was um, never get in the car, you know, with anyone's been drinking. Um, you either call me or you walk. Anyway, so one of my lads has gone off to a party, which was a little bit out of town. Anyway, he, there's no sign of him, you know, next morning at seven. I started to get really frantic. Anyway, he turns up about nine and he's with his mate and they're exhausted. And I said, what, what are you been doing? He said, oh, we thought we'd walk, but we didn't realise it was 20 kilometres. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Right? And I've gone, oh, you, you know, what, could you have called into a house with lights on and made a phone call? Never thought of that. But it was lovely because it was a really significantly inconvenient experience. Yes. But he then we went through some other options that he might have been. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Maggie, we got to talk about gaming. We've got yep. to talk about gaming. And it's not just gaming. It's, and I have a, a family I'm working with right now. It's like, he's gaming. There's the phone. He's on the phone. He's, you know, on the game with the kids. And, and it's, so much social interaction, the gaming, but also I need to talk to my friends. These group chats, oh, it's not going well on the group chat. They're feeding each other into a negative spiral. They're talking about mm. their parents and mom did this and I'm suicidal and ugh, the, the access that our kids have it's really hard to counteract oh. and guide them through. And also we know from the neuroscience that your prefrontal goes offline at night anyway. So it brings out the darkest side of all of us. You know, it's not just our kids. And I, and I keep challenging parents. What are you modeling for them as well? Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, I start with a, you know, a 10 point agreement early on, which is basically that I believe that there are, we know that you know, the interaction online is still meeting their core, um, you know, psychological needs, mm-hmm. particularly the connection one. And I think the overflow from COVID of being locked up is they've got into some ha- habitual behaviours mm-hmm. rather than turning up and going to shoot some hoops at the park or go for a bike ride. They're actually just stuck there. Now, we know that also those experiences of winning are picking up, you know, in, in a world where not much else is great, but gee whiz, I've just won that level. But aren't they sneaky to the gamers? Because mm-hmm. even if you didn't win, they come in with you nearly won. You're going to have another go. And it's like manipulating those. So the dopamine receptors are getting overpowered, which means they're actually hungry and they need more. It is one of the saddest things because we have a wonderful psychologist over here, the unplugged psychologist who works with digital, um, you know, addictions. And he said it can be managed to a point And that's what I have in the agreement. Are your grades the same? Are you catching up? Are you playing a sport or doing music? Are you doing your chores? Are you turning up for dinner? There's a whole list that they're going on. Mm -hmm. Then um, I can let you have that space. No question. But any of those things start changing, then we have to start pulling it in. And that's where it is. You have to start pulling those things early and putting those rails on the bridge. Once it's gone, I mean, I had one family uh, early on, and this is going back 10 years before it was even big as it is now. Mm. And they locked the office, um, which had the big, you know, screen and everything. Uh, Their son got an axe, chopped the door down. So we actually know the extreme hunger and thing is exactly what so many families are working with. What do I suggest around it? I still think at the end of the day, what works the best, and it sounds random because I don't deserve it, is kindness 
you know, just being beside them going, I know this has become really problematic. I'm going to sit with you as, a, as you're going to get towards the end of your time. And I've got some pancakes outside. Yeah. <laughs> let's go get an ice cream. Uh, let's, you know, let's go walk the dog. Like whoever, you know, that transition from technology to something mm-hmm. else, if we can do it before it's dark. The next things that we really look at is um, in Australia is we have these wonderful in-charge boxes, which is everybody's device and everything goes into that at a certain point, whether it's 10 o'clock at night because they're older, but everyone's goes in to be charged and it's locked. It's awful for the first week or two, but what families come back with afterwards is, is our teens start turning up in, you know, in the kitchen looking for a snack and there's a grown up there who's Mm-hmm. you know it probably will make it for them and they're so glad to see them and also parents are finding oh my goodness I was scrolling after that yes, I was yes. actually stuck in it so mm-hmm. I think it's we're all on the same in the same hideous digital world and we are all struggling with it but when we work with our children rather than demand and command it's it's huge mm-hmm. we absolutely know in Australia that the influence of technology, particularly the trolling and the negativity online is impacting kids around suicidal mm-hmm. ideation is no question. We are mm-hmm. losing some of our children because they're because of their experiences online. It seems like you could start that um, we put them all in our charging box at night. You start that with you. Yeah, I've noticed this about myself instead of you need to do this. And I'm, I'm thinking you would likely get better buy-in that way. Oh, absolutely. And also, I think that's what we do as our kids get a bit older is, do you know what? There are times I'm going to lose it and get really crabby at you because life is stressful. But you know what? If I do that, you know, I'm going to just try and pull myself up because that's not the parent I want to be. So you can pull me up sometimes if I'm speaking harshly to you. And Mm. I'm going to have a little look at my own behavior and my stress levels. And then what is it in our homes that we do? Mm-hmm. you know, around that. And I, I've said to parents a lot, you know, when you go out, it doesn't matter whether it's a toddler or a teen, if you are being escalated by the experience in that moment, pull yourself up, take a breath and go, you know what, I'm going to take myself in my bedroom and I'm going to bring myself down and calm down. We're back shortly. And mm-hmm. I do suggest that you lock the door and you, and you hopefully have a beautiful fruit and nut chocolate hiding in the cupboard because that's a health food. Mm-hmm. And you stop that back, take some deep breaths and come back out and be the kind of parent you want to be. Because I think kids start seeing, oh, look, they lose it too. We lose it. It's kind of being human. Mm-hmm. Um, and the humanity around this is they we are hungry for connection. I think we've got to really recognise we might need to leave our cars out and turn our garage into a kind of space yeah. where they can yeah. hang out. I mean, if you've got boys, they're probably going to want to play some form of game, whether it's the Wii Garmin on TV screen or it's a pool table, don't get darts. <laughs> <laughs> don't get darts. That's That ends quite Not bad. good. Not good. And music. If they're into music, then let them thump away and do what they need in yes. your garage space. But otherwise they'll do it online. So we've got to create the spaces and opportunities. I'm a firm believer of fire pits. Um, at the time of year, obviously, it's uh, it's a bit tricky yeah. now we're getting summer here. Yeah, where they can hang out. And I think it's what you said earlier about we are in this habit. I think all of us are in this habit of kind of either virtual connection or just non-connection. I'm yeah. just going to stay home and watch Netflix tonight because yeah. I'm not used to going out. I lost that yeah. habit. And so to model that and to facilitate our kids to be able to, 
you know, have the house that all the kids want to come to because you're the cool parents. And that is going to help them remember. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's fun. It's more fun to be with my friends in person yeah. than online. I think that's the boy tribe. It's the tribe of you who are around. So whether it's your boys, mates and friends, it's that tribe that we kind of take turns because you don't want the house full of boys all night every weekend. That's not sure. <laughs> um, and I also had to teach them how to make their own toasted sandwich or jaffles or whatever you call it because that shouldn't be my job either when you're hungry. I had to get loaves of bread, honest to goodness. But what I found was when the tribe, you know, the tribe, usually the boys have some similar interests. So we were able to create opportunities where some of the parents would go and the boys and had fun because we all went mm-hmm. yep and mm-hmm. I think it's we've got to really you know our village is disintegrated in lots of ways it's become more virtual which I don't think is terribly helpful because there's nothing quite like a boy having a punch in an arm by somebody he really cares about you know or mm-hmm. a bit of an arm wrestle or a secret handshake you know their physicality is actually part of their intimacy in terms of that relationship you can't do it on a screen, you know, even if it's sitting on your mate or shoving him around a bit, which they do a lot of when they're 14, mm-hmm. which in a classroom. Crazy making. Yeah. yeah. You talk about, I, I've used this so much, Maggie, because I love that you talk about micro connections and really those little tiny moments of connection and the power of positive noticing. Yeah. Talk about it's that. So big because Quality time is great, right? And, but the digital world has stolen it from all of us. So parents often just give up. But I'm going to say every single one of our kids has kind of got a love cup that they've got ways that they feel really connected with. Um, my oldest was not a hugger and I'm a big hugger. So I thought, well, what do I do with him, right? Yeah. But he's the he's the one that, you know, if I'd go out and shoot some hoops with him um, or, you know, maybe just take that, you know, cup of hot chocolate down occasionally so, or, um, you know, tread on his foot. <laughs> yes, that him. can count as affection and connection yeah, when you're dealing right? with the boy. Silent. He does not want me talking too much either. So it's a whereas the second one's the hugger, which was easy. But I think it's I've saw it at school too, where um when a teacher kind of knows a boy's having a tough time, they do the positive noticing. You know, they go, Wow, early to class. That is impressive. Hey dude, high five. High five them as they come in the room. I actually really believe our boys are starving for safe touch. I've always felt that even before the digital world stole it because physicality is part of, you know, like aggression nurturance, which Michael Gurian talks about. Yes, yes. They don't want to wrestle and jump and slap and and push and shove the boys they don't like. Yeah, that's right. I do like so in my classroom oh my god that used to be interesting but it's also reminded me of another thing is that growling at them all the time just just it's counterintuitive to what their biological stuff is doing but the other one we do not honor the boys need for movement in our classroom so Mm -hmm. when I would look up sometimes and I have three boys walking around I go hey mate what you doing he's going just just walking miss yeah. <laughs> uh, walking. Great. And you? Yeah, I just walking. So what I decided as a consequence was I would I had more brain breaks and I worked mm-hmm. out roughly 15 to you know 12 to 15 minutes. But then I also taught boys how to um, punch into their own fist to give themselves a dopamine hit, a dopamine hit. Just because they've run out of it, right? Mm-hmm. They've got to make it or I can't be engaged in my classroom. There were times I'd get them to do squats till their thighs hurt. 
because the brain goes, crisis in the thighs, urgent, and it makes all the brain chemicals that help them have tension again. So when we recognise that, I had that really engaged classroom. Some of it was fun. Some of it was clapping games. Sometimes it was your head down doing deep breathing. And you know what? No girl went backward in any of my classrooms because of the increased movement and brain breaks. Exactly. Yeah. What's good for boys is good for girls and good for us as the parents and the the adults too. (laughs) We sometimes had five minutes of jokes and there were times (laughs) that I had a little bit of a boundary around what was appropriate and inappropriate and that was a good teaching lesson mm-hmm. but seriously you watch a, a class of boys go out after they've been laughing nuts absolutely yeah. like their faces are shiny and they're ready for the next class mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now they do get hungry too can we remind that one too because what we do with a double lesson that's 90 minutes 90 minutes <gasps> Mm. that's a long time for a teenage boy who's probably got a growth spurt. So I had conversations with them about what were they eating at the break because, you know, they probably need a bit more protein to get them through the 90 minutes. Mm -hmm. I was actually teaching them about how their brain responded to the food they ate Mm -hmm. Um, and also the dehydration of the brain. I got them drinking water before it became a trendy thing. Boys are pragmatic and they go, okay, make my brain work better. I'm on it. Yeah. If we tell them, yeah. We need to explain it to them. Reason. There's got to be a relevance and a reason. And okay, what's in it for me? More alert, in it, done. Mm -hmm. We had parent-teacher conferences last night. Parent-teacher conferences at the high school. Great fun to go around and talk to the teachers. Had a conversation with um, my youngest son's history. He teaches medieval history to 21st century teenagers. I'm like, well, that must be fun. That's a heavy lift. And he's had my kid before. He's had some of my other kids. So I'm like, okay, well, yeah, academically he's doing fine. But other than that, you know, how are things? He's like, eh. he's like, you know, he's not my biggest problem. I said, I'll take it. Came home that night. I was giving my kid the report. He goes, oh, did he tell you I was on so-and-so's shoulders in class today? No, no, he did not mention that. Why? When you say brain breaks and movement, this is the kind of things that teenage boys do when they don't have outlets. And frankly, God bless this teacher that he did not make a big deal out of that. Like he didn't even mention it to me. I love it. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, in class, I would say, uh, okay, so you've got to write this, you know, essay or task. If you want to do it laying on the floor, go for mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Right. Because that also created what we call novelty and novelty excites the brain a bit. Um, and I used to find that they would, they really love it. They thought they were doing something different, right? Cool, mm. lay out. And sometimes I took them outside. Boys, oh, my God, they're so much more engaged in the outside environment. Now, one last tip I want to throw to you both is the use of metaphors for boys. And, I, I mean, my boys will tell you they're very sick of sporting metaphors, but I can tell you in a classroom environment that that makes sense to a boy. Like, say we're in week seven of a 10-week term, you know, and everything's getting a bit jaded, I'll often say to the class, and it's mainly the boys who respond, you know, like I want you to imagine, you know, we've been running the marathon and we've only got like eight Ks to go. So I want you to make sure you're going to run over that line really powerful or you're going to kick a goal on the siren. Mm -hmm. Like as soon as you start feeding a metaphor into them, there's something different that happens. Like the end's in sight and I could do it like that and, Uh, weird stuff happen because yeah they're just a little bit different and it's all the better if your metaphor is related to a thing they you know if the kid is into soccer yes if the kid is into my case dirt biking 
yep. go with that. All the better. Yeah. Yeah. No question, because in that space, we're gone past logic. And I think, you know, that incredible pragmatism that I've always found just so much easier to deal with in terms of boys um, is linked again to what is in it for me and do I matter? So if I've got those two things and some autonomy, then I know I've got a much better chance of having a boy. And then the, the kind of that last tip is that when our school environments don't have engaging stuff, so if a boy's not good academically, but you have the most amazing whatever, if he's into the band or he's into the, you know, playing basketball or you've put in a skateboard track or a ninja park thing, mm. they will turn up for the lunchtime and the recess activity and then we can teach them. But we can't if we can't get them there because I'm not good at schoolwork. And I, you know, I celebrated that I had boys who were illiterate in my classrooms mm. uh, as 13 and 14-year-olds who turned up every day just partly because my classroom was the safest place in their world. Mm -hmm, yeah, and yeah. I think that's what we have to keep recognising is, you know, that that sometimes they still deserve an opportunity to be environments, even if they've got no chance of being the success we would love them to be, mm -hmm. that they're learning and they're growing and it's a predictable environment um, and that we give them hope. Yeah. And they feel safe, it. they feel heard, and you're connected. And the kindness cannot be kindness. spoken to enough. <laughs> no. <laughs> that kindness is one of my big takeaways from this, Maggie, because if we can simply approach our boys with kindness and compassion, that will feed into our choices and our interactions with them. They feel that, they sense that, and they respond to us differently. Not yeah, immediately. It's really, hard, really hard to be awful to someone who's kind to you. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. Really hard, right? There's this. Yeah, we're wired. <laughs> and I know when one of mine was dumping some verbal diarrhea on me one afternoon after school, he was probably year nine or 10. And when the glitter jars up, we don't we don't go into that space. Right. We just let it cool off. Like we know mm -hmm. this is a big world and we're the safe person. About 20 minutes later, I'll go down and I, I knocked on his door and I waited. Always pause after you knock on a teenage boy's door <laughs> and then. <clears throat> opened it and I go in and shove in a hot chocolate or what we call a Milo over here in Australia, a biscuit and shove the dog in and then close the door, you know, um, because what I want him to know is we're still okay because what I know is that boys who've done that to the person who's their safest, they feel really lousy. Yeah. They absolutely feel lousy. But when they know we're still all right without that, you need to be more respectful and don't you speak to me. Look, yeah. Just be kind. Because you'll find it doesn't take too much longer when all the glitters settle down, they'll come out and quite often they do drop a small apology or they'll just lean on you. Are we okay? And kindness does not mean that they get their way all the time. That is not part of kindness. Part of kindness is actually saying no some of the time as well. Totally. Absolutely. And can I have that last little reminder around home? Please don't let your boy start letting you be their, you know, servant and slave. I, I see it like we do it for peace. No, it's not good because it accumulates. They just still are responsible. Um, and, and I think we can do that with compassion and warmth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but they, yeah, it's not negotiable really. It still is because I want to raise you to be a man who can participate in a, in a family system one day 
in a positive way. You know, I want to help you to grow up to be a healthy, happy man who's capable. Oh, Maggie, I could talk to you for hours <laughs> and hours. You are such a delight. Tell our listeners where they can find you and learn more from you. Well, it's uh, really simple. MaggieGank.com is yeah. my website. I have um, over 130 short videos on my YouTube channel. And you can find my podcast wherever you find podcasts called Parental as Anything. We're about to go into our sixth season where I explore everything, um, you know, from toddlers to teens. And, um, yeah, that was a funny journey. And, yeah, as my boys say, don't Google your mum. you got too many pages. <laughs> well, and listeners, this book about From Boys to Men, I have it on my shelf, signed by you, which I love. and girlhood girlhood find it wherever you buy your books and um you know even if you're raising boys not a bad thing to read about girls too very interesting how many us ebook versions um and audios because that mothering our boys was self-published go Mm -hmm. to the us uh well we hope to get you over here to the us At some yes. point, that would be super fun. We've been able to meet once before in person, and that was such a delight. So, Maggie, thank you so much for joining Bye. us, for thank all you, of Bye. your enthusiasm and warmth and wisdom and humor. Thank you. <laughs> My absolute pleasure, you two. Keep up your fantastic work. Keep shining a light for our boys. We hope you enjoyed this conversation with Maggie Dent. Isn't she amazing? We adore her. And she is just full of wisdom for raising boys and raising girls. So check out her books. This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net and Janet Allison of boysalive.com. As always, we appreciate you supporting our sponsors. And if you found this podcast interesting and valuable, please share it with a friend. Thank you. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.